Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom and welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. My name is Rabbi Joshua Kahan, and today we are studying Masachet Shkalim, page 2, Daf Bet. First, a word of caution. For the next three weeks, we will be studying Tractate, Tractate Shkalim, which discusses the rules about giving the annual half-shekel tax for the temple. This is a practice that we simulate on Purim by giving three units of money, typically half-dollars per person, though the money obviously now goes to tzedakah instead of to the temple. This tractate has the distinction of being the only one in Seder Moed not to have any Babylonian Talmud on it. But at some point very early in its history, it became common for the Palestinian Talmud, on Shkalim specifically, to be studied with the Babylonian Talmud, and included in manuscripts and printings of it. It is the only tractate of Palestinian Talmud for which this is the case. Since this is the only time in the Dafiomi cycle that we encounter the Palestinian Talmud, I will take a few opportunities alongside discussion of the content to make some observations about the unique style of the Palestinian Talmud and how it both differs from and impacts our understanding of the Babylonian Talmud. To begin some basics about the Shekel, Exodus, Exodus chapter 30 commands the Israelites to give a poll tax, a fixed amount per person as part of a national census. This seems to have been a one-time command to collect the silver needed to build key components of the tabernacle. But by the late Second Temple period, perhaps earlier, it was taken to be an annual obligation of all Jews, including those living outside of Israel. What was originally instituted for the purpose of constructing the sanctuary then came to be used to purchase the animals for the various public sacrifices. The universality of the tax and its fixed value came to be central to the rabbi's understanding of the public sacrifices offered in the temple. The temple priests were able to represent and gain forgiveness for the whole people of Israel through their service only because every Israelite had a stake and indeed equal ownership over the animals being offered. Now there is an unconnected rule about grain that will join to define our discussion of the Shekel. Part of the Passover ritual described in Leviticus 23 is that on the second night of Passover, a sheaf of the new grain from that year, called the Omer, would be cut and offered in the temple. The key idea is that we may not eat the new grain until we have given the first portion of it to God in thanks similar to the presenting of the first fruits on Shavuot. Until the 16th of Nisan, then, the Israelites had to continue eating the previous year's grain, Yashan, until the giving of the Omer made the new grain, Chadash, permitted. The rabbis took this idea of annual renewal and applied it to the daily public sacrifices as well. They decided, based on an analogy between the description of the daily offerings in Numbers 28, and the notion in Exodus 12 that Nisan is the first month of the year, that the daily offerings also had a transition date. 
from one year to the next, in this case, the first of Nisan. This date also conveniently matches the date when the very first offerings were made by Aaron the high priest, since the tabernacle, by rabbinic calculation, was consecrated on the first of Nisan, exactly one year after the Exodus. Now, what, you may ask, does an annual renewal mean in the context of animals who may be more than a year old? The link is the shekel tax, which is used to purchase the animals for the sacrifices. This annual tax was tied to the annual cycle of sacrifices. The money of the shekel tax for year X was used to purchase the public offerings for that year, from the first of Nisan to the final day of Adar. Beginning on the first of Nisan of year X plus one, they had to offer animals bought with the new year's shekels and any leftover money from the previous year's tax would go into the temple's general fund. Practically, this meant two things. First, the tax year goes from Nisan to Nisan, not from Tishrei to Tishrei. And second, it was important that the money for that tax was received from at least many of the people before the first of Nisan, so that the animals bought with that money could be ready for that very first day. Now, generally a month was considered to be the proper preparation time for major events. So in order for the shekel tax to be collected by the first of Nisan, they began announcing the tax and reminding people to pay it, starting one month earlier on the first of Adar, which is where our tractate begins. This is why Shabbat Shkalim, the first of the four special Shabbatot around Purim, always falls on or before Adar 1, as it represents this initial announcement. Collecting the shekel tax is actually just one of a series of public works that were done during the month of Adar, including fixing the roads leading to Jerusalem that were damaged by the winter rains, and cleaning out the city's mikvahs, all in preparation for the mass pilgrimage to come at Passover. They had collection boxes in towns around Israel for the shekel, which would be brought to Jerusalem, a troop of money changers to ensure you had just the right amount to pay your tax, and even an enforcement team which would go around and remind people, subtly at first and then less so, that the tax was not optional. All of this so that by the magic date of one Nisan, the monies would be collected and the new animals could be purchased. While the Gemara's specific content will wait for tomorrow, I will share one note on the Talmud's opening line. It asks why the Shekel tax was announced on one Adar, and explains, as I've said, that it is in order to be ready with new sacrifices by one Nisan. This is the explanation given in all of the places where this halacha is discussed. There is, though, another idea taught by the Amora, Reish Lakish, in connection with the story of Megillat Esther, specifically the moment in chapter 3 when Haman promises the king a huge sum of money in exchange for permission to kill the Jews. The money would presumably be given on the day of the massacre, scheduled for the 13th of Adar. Rish Lakish tells us that God scheduled the shekel tax, which is described in Exodus as giving kapara or atonement, before the day of Haman's massacre, so that the Jews' giving of money for the temple would give them protection from Haman's attempt to give money for their destruction. 
This ex explanation is clearly fanci fanciful, and not meant as an actual explanation of the reason for the choice of the date, nor is it treated anywhere as such. But what I find noteworthy here is that while the announcement of the shekel tax is a preparation for Nisan, it inevitably gets tied in ways large and small to discussions about Purim. As the two events that take place in Adar, they are the key elements in rules about negotiating how and whether to add an extra Adar for a leap year. The same is true for Purim and Pesach. There is no way to know whether, and if so why, Purim falls exactly 30 days before Pesach. But because it does, because the rhythms of the Jewish calendar lead us directly from one into the other, the rabbis developed a host of fascinating ideas about how the two are intimately related. Shalom. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.